We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here, the old man Andreas Hale, back in the building. Hopefully you had a nice, relaxing week. Being a father, being a husband, Noah's nice. Your child never cries. That's the first thing me and Cole said. We came on the air. This man lies on his child. It was the most well-behaved and calm baby I've ever met. Not having this conversation. He is a saint. Shout out to him. Um, he's invited on pod whenever he wants. Okay. Any, anytime he wants. He doesn't say much, but any anytime he just wants to sit here in front of the camera and not cry, he is my honorary guest. So hopefully you enjoyed your week. Producer Cole Bebe and me held it down for the week. That was really dope. Always great to have Cole on the set. He is in the booth again today. Check out our AEW Forbidden Door recap. If you guys haven't, it is up right now. Now, that was fun. Great show there. Dre, we're going to get your thoughts on the show later on in the week. But yep. We have a ton of pro wrestling to talk about this week. Oh, yeah. WWE is in town. We have money in the bank. For my money, it's the second best pay-per-view WWE has. Because that's entry. Just yeah. like the best pay-per-view, which is Royal Rumble. Money in the bank has the same because you really don't know who's going to win. I mean, WrestleMania is the best pay-per-view. It is not. Yes, it is. No, because we go into WrestleMania, a lot of matches, we know who's going to win. Some people have no chance of winning like we don't get that same it's a grand spectacle but it's not the best pay-per-view royal rumble is the best pay-per-view because you have surprise entrance you don't know who's coming back in terms of legends and everything else you don't know who's going to win either match going into it it's always relatively a surprise you don't know who's coming out when no and then the auxiliary match is always all right no royal rumble there's usually like three people that you think can win. it's more than wrestlemania no <laughs> no it's not because there is usually cookie cutter no, it's not. Did you like this WrestleMania? The build sucked, but you enjoyed it, right? Yes. There's Royal Rumbles that suck, that are 60 minutes of trash. I haven't had a bad Royal Rumble in a second. Come on, there's been a we few. We went now. to a great one. I yeah, think the one what not one, and then there's there's nothing Oscar big, bigger than WrestleMania. And Money in the Bank should be great, but as we talk about this one, where, we don't, we is don't. there really any intrigue? There's intrigue because we don't know who's gonna win. Do we care? We don't care. There we go. But but there's it's intriguing. And I just think like WrestleMania, like you get the big matches. Like this, we got you get the big they got Cody and Seth. Yeah, it was a good match. 
So WrestleMania will always be the top show. Money in the Bank should be a great show, but it's the top show. It's not the most enjoyable. Oh. I would say, like, Mania is not the most enjoyable. To me, it's third. And know, sometimes man. SummerSlam, it's harder than WrestleMania, if we're being honest. Occasionally. Sometimes it sucks, and it goes sometimes on for too goddamn long. Yeah. I, yes, that is true. <laughs> one, one night of eight hours of wrestling, we will get to. Yeah. That is now every AEW show, <laughs> which there, it doesn't bother. Like, them being long in the tooth doesn't bother me. I can skip the buy-in if I want to. Yeah. We just always want to watch them. <laughs> they always have someone good on. So we'll get to pro wrestling later on in the week. Today, it's MMA. So UFC guest is going to be great. This is a big one, by the way. Um, really cool guest for this week leading into UFC 276 happening right here in Vegas. It's the theme of the weekend <laughs> this weekend. So we have WWE and UFC and 4th of July weekend. I've heard Kevin Hart's in town doing a show on Saturday night. The strip is going to be crazy. There's a lot going on. So much going on. So Vegas is the place to be this weekend. So it's great to have several shows running this weekend for us. I've lost count on how many. And we got a couple of surprises later on in the week as well. So big week for the Corner Podcast. And you were gone though, Dre. Not only did me and Pro, producer Cole Bay Bay hold things down here. I had guests. So, yes, you did. I was like, yo, Dre's not here. I don't have the curmudgeon. I want to talk hip-hop. It's like, let me, let me, let me make a call. It, it wasn't quite Daniel or Brian Danielson calling up, making a call to Cesaro <laughs> to get his spot in the joint. But I, I had um, to make a call. My, my boys, and shout out to the wifey, uh, from Views from the Seven, Everyone came through, Skinny, Ivy, Spence, here at the desk, Shay on the share. Everybody came through, chopped it up with me, talked hip-hop in the beginning, Drake versus Kendrick. We talked the Rolling Stones list again. We had our top five hip-hop albums all time during that show. Meals fun to get different perspectives, right or wrong, on hip-hop. because. For so, so many years now, I have sat next to Mr. I gave Kanye West five mics. Mr. I've been in the game before I had gray hairs in my beard. Yep. So to hear people who aren't, you know, the top of the top echelon hip hop historian, like you're going to be in like the documentaries. They're going to call you like 15 years from now to talk about shit in early 2000s. Yeah. No, I didn't want that perspective. I wanted like barbershop perspective. Times 10. Spence is a little crazy. So, <laughs> had them in here. And it was funny. Got good feedback online. Um, good reach on that episode. Everyone's talking about it. And surprisingly, I'm like minding my business. I'm working. You know, whatever. I check our reverse Rat Pack group chat. You listened to the episode. Yeah, it's because of Cole. It was Cole's fault. <laughs> which, which is rare. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't listen to me, but... I was gone, and Cole was like, hey, you might want to listen to this. And I looked and saw who was on it. I was Cole like, set right. me up. Cole. I like, let me listen. Um, yeah, y'all are crazy. There's a few things. To be fair, I had only one hot take. There's, there's a few things. One. Yes. Talking about the Drake album. Yep. We didn't get a chance to talk about it because I was gone. No, now we're talking about it. It's, 
is interesting to listen to people talk about Drake's album who don't understand this Drake album has been in the works a year. Because, one, if you don't know who Black Coffee is, and I've talked about him like a billion times on this podcast, he executive produced that album. I knew exactly what was coming when I saw he was executive producing. People were surprised. I was like, oh, this isn't rapping Drake. Well, if you knew Black Coffee was executive producing the album, you would know he's making an Afro house album. He's always been, and this is why I like Drake. This is my thing about Drake that I like. Me and Drake have very similar tastes in music. We're not friends, but we have very similar tastes in music. He likes the stuff he samples. Like, I've been listening to samples. Like, all the stuff that he samples and listens to, James Blake and all that, that's all the shit I listen to. So when he goes to make that music, I get it. Because, yeah, Drake has bars and he can rap, but that's not the only thing he likes. And people sure. wanted beholding him to just being a rapper. Like, I've watched Irv Gotti was like, oh, you know, it's, it, it wasn't hip-hop. No, it's not a rap album. He didn't make that. He made a house album, an Afro house album. Which I'm cool with if that's the, the genre everyone makes sure that they keep it in. My biggest pet peeve is when people are like, Challenge is Gambino, one of the best hip-hop albums of the year. Like, yo, what, the joint with Redbone. I was like, that, it's not a hip-hop album. No, it's not. not. No, like, he made a, a soul album. Yeah, he and made then, a funk album. Yeah, and then um, Tyler Creator's album before this won yes. a Grammy for hip-hop album. That's not a hip-hop well, album. Because it's, it's, hip-hop is still in a, in a space where people haven't created subcategories. Like, you have alt-rock, you have metal, right? Like, yeah, you have yeah. those. They don't exist. It's rap or nothing, right? Like, that's all you got. If you're a rapper, right. you're doing rap. So like, when, no. when people, like, said, I hate this Drake album, there's a couple things. It was like, well, it wasn't for you in the first place, right? First thing, first things first, it was for people like me. It like, is. this is what I listen to. You're definitely the vacationer on a boat with a glass of wine. That's what I listen to to write. I listen to Afro House. I listen to Electronic. I, I listen to that when I'm writing. And it's like, I saw people, not on the, not on the show, but I saw people was like, you should have got K-Tronada. No, like, Black Coffee is one of the biggest house producers in the world. For years, you've put them on, like, I've, the year-end list. I've talked about stuff. Black Coffee forever. Like, they're Sango. Yeah, Kachanada too, but there's Sango, there's other people. And like Neo did house. Closer's a house song. Yes. This is where we get problematic. How? Because now with Drake, and this is my only thing with the album, I said this. I expect the I need a one dance. I expect like okay. If he did two of these songs on the album, I'd be like, oh, that's normal Drake shit. He likes it, he experimented. An entire album like this is like, hmm. Why? Are you, are you Pitbull? Like, are, are you no. about to be Flowrider? Am I going to get a WWE WrestleMania theme song out of you? No. Like, are you going back? Yes. Like, granted. It's I, one album. Yeah. I mean, but after hearing his verse on, um, what's his face? It's the cool white kid. Who, Jack Harlow? Jack Harlow. Yeah. His verse on the Jack Harlow song is incredible. Yes. Crazy. Kentucky Derby shit. Like, that track is dope. I was like, yeah, we're about to get a Drake hip-hop, like, take care style joint. No. Like, that. he was in that bag. And then it was like, what is this? How many times is Drake... bad. How many times has Drake put out back-to-back rap albums within a year? Never. He doesn't do it. No. Not unless... Um, you can't count... You counted what? a collab with Future? Huh. No, but I'm just saying, he like, never puts that, out... That was the only time. Like, he spends time making these rap albums, 
which I still don't think he has like an absolute classic. But this time he was just like, oh, I'm sitting here and I black coffee sitting around and want to make this this house album. And he put dance in the category. Really did. And I think the thing is, is like, as a community, we got to stop being so fucking closed-minded. Because the first thing that I saw was people was like, oh, this is white people's music. And I was like, nah, buddy. House is black shit. I saw somebody call like... Shout out to my people in Detroit. I saw Jersey. People, I saw people say that Go-Go was like homosexual music. Like, nah, man. If you haven't been to D.C., this is where you could tell when people aren't well-traveled. Yeah, that's weird. It's weird. But I've seen these takes online. And I'm like, if you don't understand the music and you want to close yourself in, you're fucking up. You're is missing it out. Does it sound like ballroom music? Like, when you, like you know, like the drags like, I, do the I ballroom don't, joint? I don't know. Like, like the, the bounce is similar, but I, I wouldn't I I've don't seen know. people say crazy things about DC Go-Go. I've seen people say things about Chicago House or UK House or Deep House. Yeah. Like, I listen to all that. But when I see people talk about... shit, people be talking crazy about like that yeah, joint. Like Louisiana Bounce. Like, there's yeah. so many different subgenres of music, and we can't be so close-minded to it. But what we can say is, that album ain't for me. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with it. When people's like, this album sucks. And I was like, all right. Because the funny thing is, a lot of y'all, this summer, they start playing Text Go Green listen. at the brunch. You're going to be like, oof, oof, I, oof. I, I like, built right. myself a caveat. I was like, yo, listen. This ain't for me right now. Nah, but I'm on vacation yeah, it, this it's, summer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's made for a certain group. That, that's my Drake that's take. me dancing. <laughs> I, I, like, I liked it because that's the type of music that I've always liked. It's not introducing me to something new. He's bridging a gap of music that he's already listened to. Next thing. <laughs> All right. Is this my favorite part? Not yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> when you're talking about a greatest rap album, yes, right? And this is no slight to Usually Seven. This is, goes for anybody. And you don't know who made Low End Theory. Or you don't know what Three Feet High and Rising is. That's tough. Or you're like, who takes a nation? You can't talk about greatest rap out. <laughs> Just eliminate You're eliminated. Again, you'd be shocked at how many people don't know this. But, but, but here's, here's, here's the reason. And when like, I bring that up, they say, oh, it's because you're East Coast. And it's your East it Coast has vibe. nothing to do with East Coast. I paid my dues in this shit, right? I legitimately have a voice in this. But it's, it's not just because I like music. It's because I listen to everything. Yeah. You'll never put a rap album past me that is on a list that I haven't listened to. I will go and listen to that album. Yeah. So it's like me and you having a conversation of the greatest rock albums of all times. We've never heard of Beatles or Metallica. Yeah. We can't have that conversation. No. You can have a conversation about what your favorite albums are, but you can't have a conversation about the greatest rap albums or say, oh, that doesn't belong there if you don't know what it is. You can't do it. <laughs> I've been in this game for over 20 years. I have listened to everything. I have voted in award shows. I've done all this shit. Does that make me better than people? No. But what it does mean is that I have listened to everything. So I have an opinion that's educated based on what I heard. So when I see a list and people are like, what's that? And it's like, recognizes a classic album. Like, that means you need to go and listen to it. That's what it means. It's not an East Coast bias. It's not a West Coast bias. It means you need to educate yourself before speaking on a list. That brings me go ahead to the next hot take. Because you say that. But then, shout to Spence and Skinny. I hate both of y'all for this. <laughs> but none, none below to I hate both of y'all for this. Biggie was brought up 
and I believe the exact word was skip. I can't. That's that's ridiculous. Again, when you tell people to sit down with a classic, yeah, that they have no attachment to that came out long ago, and they listen to it with, I don't know what their ears judge, but they did not hear that. I don't, I don't know. Like at, at this point, like <laughs> to me, it's objectively classic. Yeah. Like there's nothing I can sit there and listen to and be like, this isn't incredible. Right. On any measure of music. But others do. And I just, I can't, I can't figure it out. Again, Reasonable Doubt is one of my favorite albums of all time. I brought that up during the list. Neither, nobody else here liked Reasonable Doubt. I kind of get that. That's like a deeper cut. Like, Jay-Z, he dropped Reasonable Doubt. It wasn't an immediate success, right? Like, people went back and was like, that's dope. You brought him to Vegas. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody came to the show. Because Reasonable Doubt was not, like, earth-shattering. Right. Ready to die. I mean, (laughs) to to even suggest that it's not a classic, and, like, just off of impact alone, Big Papa, One More Chance, Warning, Give Me the Loop, Juicy, what are we doing? We can't have a conversation. Machine Gun Funk? I'm just saying the songs that have changed yeah. music. That yeah. album changed music. You can't... What, what, what are you talking about here? Again, if I go in to a film conversation and I say, Citizen Kane is trash, or Taxi Driver is trash, or if I'm talking TV shows and I've never watched The Sopranos, I can't have that conversation until I watch it. I can't. You can't. So it's like. Twitter. I've tried. It's very difficult. I finally got through Breaking Bad. I told you that. No, you did not. No. It was quite good. It's that, it, was oh, quite good. Yes. it was quite good. Yes. It, it's not White? in my top five, but it's, it's quite good. It, but it's, but, but you again, now it. I watched it. Right. And I'm like, you know what? It's quite good. Yeah, the, the Walter White transition oh towards God. the end. I mean, it's incredible. But you have to see things. Like, to have an educated opinion on things means you have to have an education, which means you have to learn something, which means you have to take that information. You can't just disqualify something because you haven't heard it. Or you can't, like, if you say, if you don't like something, it's fair to say you don't like something. Like, I know a hit when I hear it, and I can immediately say, I don't like that shit, but I know it's a hit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't like Soldier Boy, but I knew a hit when I saw it. When I heard it, I was like, I know that's a hit. I'm not shocked by that. Sure. It's like, but I, I hate it. I'll never listen to it, but I know it's a hit. You never did the dance? No. You never yuled? No. But I knew it was a hit. I knew it was a class. I knew, I knew that would stand the test of time. And people would go back and listen to it. I knew that. But I listen to people talk about rap, and it's like, the, Twitter's made this thing where everybody can have an opinion yes. on shit. And, and Barbershop Talk is a bunch of idiots having a conversation who don't know anything. Like, people that say Mike Tyson's the greatest heavyweight of all time, how can you have that conversation if you never saw Ali, if you never saw Jack Johnson? How can you have a basketball conversation if you didn't see Michael Jordan play? Yes. And I listened to people, and I was listening to that, and it was like, three, five, I'm rising. Low in theory. What? Like, how do you, you can't talk rap with me if you haven't heard those And albums. that's, now, like, looking back, I get it. And again, I love having different people's perspective, right? So they know Biggie is the Jordan of this shit. I told them, they're like, when are you going to remove Biggie from this? You can't. I'm not going to remove him from the top spot in New York. Like, again, I said Jay-Z is the only one above. But regardless, if Biggie is like the Jordan of it to most people, I was like, I'm not removing him from the top New York spot because 
of what he meant in that time and how good he was compared to every one of his peers, right? All he could do is during his time while he is here, how good he is compared to everyone else. That's like not knowing, that's like knowing Michael Jordan, not knowing Larry Bird, not knowing, exactly, not knowing Magic, not knowing the Pistons and saying, well, he ain't play nobody. It's and, like, and- you, you got to know the other great people around him to judge how great he was in that time. Well, well. furthermore, the, the excuse is, there's no excuse to not watch Larry Bird. There's footage. There's full-ass games. Yeah. If you want to have a conversation about how good Larry Bird is, you can watch him, right? This motherfucker was calling shots on everybody. You can watch Bird. You Talking can watch Jordan, right? There's no, the only people you can go is like, well, I didn't watch Jerry West. All right, fine. Yeah. Right? You or can you find some shit. Yeah, you can find some shit. It's like it's like I found it, Sugar Ray Robinson footage. But that's what <laughs> like, I'm saying. Like you watch it. There's yeah. no way. Like when I got into MMA journalism, I got in a little late. Like I watched like the first few UFCs and it had the dark period. And then Anthony Springer, reverse rap pack, good friend of ours. AJ comes to me and was like, "You should watch more MMA." And eventually, it's like, "All right, fine." Now at this point, I think it was at UFC 76. It's like okay, and I watched a couple. I'm like, Man, this is actually. It's pretty good. I think I'm gonna start covering this shit. You know what I did? I watched every UFC and Pride from UFC one to that point. And I watched every single Pride because I'm not gonna get in a conversation where somebody brings up Fedor. And I'm like, who are you talking about? Yeah. I can't be an authority on the subject if I don't know who the greatest are. I can't be an authority on pop music if I had never heard Thriller. You can't do it. No. But I see people do it all the time, and I'm like, when you say it, like. If you say you haven't heard it, you can say, I haven't heard it. But what you should say is, I need to go listen to it. This is the reason why it's on the list. It Takes a Nation of Millions was like the Afrocentric, pro-black militant album. One of the greatest albums of all time. And if you haven't heard it, you should go back and listen to it. But you should also listen to and it. People and throwing away their chains. Right. Like you couldn't wear shiny gold chains right. and jewels because they were like, no, no, that's just not cool no more. And I hear like excuses <laughs> like I was young. Listen. I was, Takes a Nation came out, I think I was like nine. But I listened to it when I was older. Yeah. Like. It came out on my birthday. Thriller came out, I was a baby. Yep. But I listened to it when I got older. Stevie Wonder, all, most of his albums came out before I was born. But I listened to it when I got older, because as soon as you talk about it, I was like, oh, I need to listen to this. Yep. Pink Floyd's the wall. I was like, oh, I need to listen to Pink Floyd. I'm going to go back and listen to it. Greatest movies of all time. Godfather was before I was born. Guess what? Went back and watched it. Mm-hmm. I can't have a conversation about these. If you keep bringing up these albums or these films or these actors or these fighters or these athletes, and I want to have an educated conversation where I want people to respect my opinion, I need to go back and watch all that stuff. I make it my business to do that. And it's the reason why I am where I am today. Because, like, there will be people, and I've seen this, who are like, well, who are you? I was like, I paid my dues. And it's not just listening to music and just making shit up out of thin air. <laughs> it's like, you know how much time it takes to watch all those fights? Or how much time it takes to listen to all those albums? People, how I answer this question, people don't. They don't. The craziest thing is, is like, and I get this a lot. People just like, oh, how'd you get there? Like, be like, oh, you work at ESPN? How'd you get there? And I was just like, such a loaded question because it's taken... 10 years of every second of my life to get here. Right. Like, we, I watched WC, Strike Force, all the UFCs as soon as I started covering the sport. And then 
didn't have enough time to watch all the pride and then talk to you guys. I was like, all right, Fedor is not in my top heavyweights. They're like, go back. And I was like, you got to go watch it. I got to go watch. You have to see. And now Fedor is probably number, well, due to current circumstances, number one again. <laughs> so, but, but that's the point. It's yes. like, if you want to be an authority in this, like if, like everybody, if you, if you want to be in the barbershop, go be in the barbershop. You won't catch me there for that conversation. But again, and this sounds weird, but what makes great radio and television is not every day because you go fucking crazy. But no, I get when it. you get someone like you in a room, I know, in context with people who talk barbershop talk, it is magic. And I am like, again, I love hot takes. Some shit too spicy for me. Yeah, like that's that's level ten indie. Like, the, but the, I love that like dynamic. It's weird. Like, I I don't, I don't know. But some of those say, like, come on, it's Biggie. Well, I mean, it, here's the hip hop conversation. The hip hop conversation. And I let wifey slide on her R&B list. I got a tweet. Yeah, she had like Shane two Mary J. Two J, Mary J. Albums. albums on. I mean, there. it is what it is, right? Like, and I love Mary. I don't, but <laughs> I, don't, I, I just don't. But I get it. But again, it's another artist where I was like, I get it. I get it. You ain't going to catch me buying all Mary's album. Yep, but I understand when she grew up, our age, when you go through yeah. something, I understand how like, Mary could be it. top two. Yeah. I, like two albums on. You yeah. live that. You have an attachment. She's a generational talent. Yes. Hey, I'm, I'm like, putting the brat functified on my albums. No. <laughs> I, I love skinny. Bro. But the it, brat it's, functified. It's, it's, uh, Jesus. It's just like listening to those takes, and it's like, that's why there's a separation who can have these conversations where they go because they come full-fledged arguments with people who haven't heard certain things. You can't discredit Three Feet High and Rise because you haven't heard it. And then when you do hear it, you have to understand, like, that was the introduction of skits in hip-hop. Yep. Like, you have to understand the Context history. is huge. Like, I've gone on views myself and spends, and a lot of people think this way, which is weird. And I love Twitter because you get that, like, instant. Yeah. Like, you'd be like, yo, people actually think this way. But one is arguments always is I'm listening to stuff from 30 years ago, but I'm going to listen to it with a 2022 ear. Can't do or back then, a 2020 ear. And I'm just like, he's like, if it doesn't sound good to my 2020 ear, it's not a classic. That's ridiculous. I was like, so you can't watch black and white films? No. Because it's not going to look good. You can't watch Star Wars. Yeah, it's not going to look good to your 2022 eye on the 82-inch TV. No. It's not going to be 4K. No. But does that make it not a classic? It's, it's crazy. Like, like It's tough. Like, like, it's a weird way. Like, no, you can't. You can't do that. You can't because you have to understand the technological limitations of, like, making music and production. And I'm going to get on this Dr. Dre thing y'all talk about, too, in a second. But, ooh, yeah. But, but you, can't, you can't talk about, I have to listen to it with a 2020 year. Like, I can't, if I try to watch The Godfather, and say, well, where's the special effects? I'm missing the point of The Godfather. It's about <laughs> storytelling. It's about artistry. It's about where they were. If I'm watching... Even Jaws. Yeah. Like, One Jaws, of the scariest movies of all time. You watch that shit today, you be like... You got to understand, like, what they worked with. Like, how yeah. well they worked. Like, Carrie is one of my favorite horror oh, films of all time. Incredible. And I don't even like horror. I love Carrie. Carrie's incredible. But the, they had limitations to what they made. And the fact that they made that movie the way it was, or Poltergeist, or... Uh, the Exorcist, right? Yeah. Very limited. Exorcist, but too, yeah. You have to understand how limited they were and the magic that they made. There were no shortcuts. 
Like even producing now versus then, like if you listen to Primo talk about the SP twelve hundred and how you only had like certain amount of loop time yeah. to cut that sample, and then you had to loop it over and over, and you had to run it through a reel. Producing is different, and you have to respect it. If you don't respect it, I don't know what you're doing. Three point shot in NBA didn't exist all the all the time. <laughs> Steph Curry would have been shooting all them shits. They would have been twos. Yeah. Shout out to Kareem who said I'm still number one, and I have one three pointer in my career. Exactly. You have to understand like. The, they didn't have the benefit of going to the line all the time. They didn't yep. have the benefit of shooting threes all the time. So if Larry Bird is cooking your ass for 30 and 40 points and 10 rebounds and 8 assists, you got to understand, like, yo, he's not, it's not because he's playing bums. He played Magic. Yep. He, played, he played Isaiah, but then he blew out his back and everything else. But you have to understand the point of time when these people had competed. Like, yes, game evolves. But that's why I always talk, when people talk about like Jordan and the slam dunk, I wouldn't put him in the slam dunk. You don't think Jordan, if you fast forward that ability into 2022, he would have looked at that creative and was like, I can't do that shit. Jordan's like, fuck you, I'm you doing all that, that shit. shit. And, and the vertical's still the same. Like, he dunked from the free throw line. The cat still can't do it properly. Yeah. yeah. So you think he would have looked at Vince Carter and was like, hmm, all right, I might try that. Now he might not have completed it. Yeah. But he would have tried it. Innovation's one hell of a thing. Innovate. So when you look at music and film and all that stuff, it's like, you got to do yourself a favor. You can't look at those things through the same lens. Hence, you get a guy like Martin Scorsese. Right. Where you see he's incredible back then with the limitations. Yep. He's incredible now. Yes. With all the bells and whistles and all the tips and tricks. It's just like the same thing that made him great then makes him great now. Yeah. And I could watch all his movies. From what, early '90s, '80s through now, everything and all phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, so if Biggie would have had the production, the like, exactly, he would have been wrapping circles around people. Still, he was so ahead of everybody. That's like you listen to Ryan Patterson. Nas won a Grammy right last year. Yeah, followed it up with an album, probably even better. With part two of the same album. Nas wasn't as good as Big. Mm. And I love Nas. That's a tough one. Nas was not Big. That's a, that's a tough one. Nas it, had a, a lot of slips. It, yeah, no, 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 no. That part is correct. Yeah. But when we're talking about... Technically? Like, like we're, not, nah, we're not talking... Like, that's another conversation, y'all. Like, technical, because people talk about Eminem. It's like, yeah, he could technically rap, but... Yeah, but what is he rapping about? Right. But the, all the, aspects of it like Biggie, as an MC. Biggie was... Remains one of the best storytellers we've ever had. Hands up. Right? Heartbeat sounds like Sasquatch for you. Who's saying that? Who's saying that now? Nobody's <laughs> saying that shit now. But Nas making... Like, Nas making imagery with his, his, his lines, right? When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. Nobody was saying that shit yep. at that time. And I've asked Primo this. He was like, when I heard that shit, I was like, who the fuck? Like, who says that? Nas says it. Nas didn't have the, like, when Nas did Notorious, I mean, when Biggie did Notorious Thugs, Nas was never going to do it. Like, no. he tried that fast rap shit and was like, Nas, exactly. stop. Exactly. Can't switch the flow like, like Big. Like, it's like putting Steph Curry in the paint. Like, you just don't do it, right? You stick to what you know. So, n- nobody can really, like, Nas took Rakim's blueprint and enhanced it. So, there's, like, different lanes. And Biggie was just a phenomenal storyteller. But... Biggie, Biggie didn't get a chance because he didn't live long enough to really talk about himself. Yeah. We didn't get that. And we don't know if he could have done it or not. We just don't know. Um, I don't want to move to this next part. Oh, one other thing. Say, it's like the game evolves. You have to respect it. It's like people that say, oh, Ronda Rousey's trash. Stop. 
Ronda Rossi brought women's MMA to where it is today because of what she was. Now, granted, the game passed her by, just like it passed by Hoist Gracie, just like it passed by Matt Hughes. The game evolves, right? But in that window, you could, she was unstoppable. So far ahead of everyone else. Absolutely unstoppable. So I, I hate when people say that. Now, this producer conversation, there are producers and there are beat makers. Mm-hmm. Fucking different. <laughs> Dr. Dre is a producer who also makes beats. I don't ever want to hear anybody discredit what Dr. Dre has contributed to this culture and in music. Because when people say, well, no, people didn't get any shine. Like, I heard y'all say that. Dr. Dre put Daz in the room with so many artists. Yes. Dr. Dre put Melman and all those people in the room. But they made beats. Yep. When Dr. Dre gets in the, you know what, like, Quincy Jones is a producer. You will never see him hitting a drum pad. That was my argument. When Dre gets into the booth, like, this is where I talk about Eminem. Eminem rhymed a certain way before he got to Aftermath, Interscope. Then he got with Dre, and Dre was like, punch that vocal up. Turn that one down. Mm-hmm. Double that there. Mm, that pattern's a little bit off. That's not loud enough. Turn that hi-hat up. That's producing. And people don't think that's talented, but you're wild because what do you think when you go to the orchestra and you see the conductor doing this shit, and they think he's just waving a stick. No, he's not. He's controlling every aspect of everybody that's performing, from the, the celloist to the the fucking flute, like he's controlling it all. And that's what Dre does. But to think that Dre doesn't produce, who the fuck do you think made all them NWA albums? Yep. I mean, at that World point. World Class Wrecking Crew? Yeah, at Dr. that Dre. point, he couldn't. Yeah, he didn't have people producing for him. No, so he made it, and then he got better at it, and he was like, oh, Scott Storch, play those keys right there. Yep. I can play them too, but I like what you add to it. I'm going to bring this element in. We're going to turn this up. When you rap, mm, I don't like that hook. Change that hook up. That was my, my analogy for it. I was like, yo, there's good chefs. Dre's a good chef. But he has the best supermarket in the world. Yeah. So you'll find a chef. And Kanye does the same. Well, like, yo. There's a difference, though. Like, Dre. Dre's Kanye, habitually done it. Kanye's done it, too. Well, like, Kanye doesn't the, nurture talent. No, but he took the Chief Keef song and, like, he brought in, uh, I forgot Chief Keef's producer and blah, blah. Young Chop. Yeah, Chop. And he brought him in. And he was like, yo, play that same shit. But he just but threw play people it on with it. all of this. No, if you listen to the quality was, of the beat, yeah, is, it was mixed differently. And he, and he mixes and he does shit differently. He's like, yo, listen, you're a great chef and you made a great meal, but you made this shit with dollar store ingredients. Come oh, here yeah, yeah. No, and no, I no. got the best ingredients in the world and I'm going to show you what you can do in here. So yeah. Melman is great. But if Dre wasn't like, here goes this studio. Here goes all of these right. assets. Here goes everything I have built. You now have at your disposal. Right. Go play. Well, like, what, what are you? <laughs> like, dude. Again, Melman went, and I don't know. I mean, look, look, Melman produced on The Chronic 2001. And, he, and, and oh, listen to people talk about <laughs> The Chronic was like a Snoop Dogg mixtape. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, all right. I love The Chronic. I, I, I love The Chronic, I would too. go to my dying day to say The Chronic is better than Chronic 2001. It is. I mean, hands down. There would be no Snoop without The Chronic. There would be no corrupt. There would be no dads. There would be no lady of rage. <laughs> Stranded death row. I mean, you just talk about all those songs. But when you when you look at what Dre was doing, like Daz wasn't producing shit until Dre got there. They weren't. They you think you think they just learned how to produce on their own? <laughs> like Dre was making shit, and they learned how to make shit. Like Scott Storch came from the roots as a pianist. Got under Dre, and Dre was like. I'm going to teach you how to be a producer. Scott Storch became a producer Mega under Dre. 
I don't ever want to hear people say like Dre just takes shit or he like buries people. Dre has a hard time with a lot of artists. Like I interview a lot of the best producers do. Puff, Dre, what, Kanye. Like Puff is Puff is a producer. He's just he's just not a great beat maker, right? No. I'm not sure he's a. I don't even right. know if he you just, you tries. Just, just loop that. Yeah, yeah, but he. But but what Dre does is like, for better or worse, Dre signed Rakim, and I did this interview years ago with <laughs> uh, Bruce Williams, who was Dre's right hand man, and he tells me Bruce is like I'm right. He's like I don't, and I never connected with him. Dude, he had all the Rakim stuff that never came. Out. Bruce was like, I have it all, and you know where it all ended up? Get rich or die trying. All of it, because. Everything that Dre wanted out of Rakim, he's like, oh, these are like, there's no hook. Where's the hook, Rakim? Where's the hook? Like, I think um, many men, uh, what up, gangster? Those are all Rakim records, all of them. And Rakim just couldn't do a hook. And Dre was just like, eh, this is never going to work. So all those things stayed in the vault and never came out. So people were like, that's Dre's fault. No, Dre just couldn't get out of Rakim what he, what he wanted out of him. You look at, like, he had Joel Ortiz, you had Hitmaker, he yeah. had. If he couldn't get what he wanted out of you, he just wasn't going to put it out. And those things just sat on the shelf forever. Does it make him a bad producer? No, because Dre is quality over quantity. It took him how long to go from Chronic to Chronic 2001? I would ask this then, and this along the lines of the Dre thing. So Dre is a great producer. In my opinion, a great beat maker. I'm sure other people also make his beats. Yeah. We see producers who are good to great beat makers. Pharrell, Dre, Kanye, Timbo. Yes. Great beat makers. Also have people around them making beats. Great producers. How many straight beat makers have you seen be beat makers and then learn how to be producers? A lot of them. I mean, especially now. Um, I mean, look. It took Hitboy a second. Yeah. Because he was just a guy you go to for a beat. He make you a single, well, and then now he's doing projects, right? Well, it's, it's, it's really hard today because producers aren't producing in studio with their artists. Or oh, they're just sending them. They're sending beats, and then they take it back and they engineer it, which is like yeah. when I went, when I used to go. Well, Hit Boy does whole albums. He probably yes. comes and he like. sits with you. Yeah. Like when I used to go to L.A., like when I did the, uh, the uh, oral history of the Pimple Butterfly, and I'd sit in the studio with Top Dog and all those guys, and i watch how they work. They're all in there. Like I was just. Before the pandemic hit, I was in L.A. and I was at the TDE studio and I was listening to Q and Absol and I was watching and Ali was like in every room, like making sure shit was right, right? It's a difference than sending somebody a beat and they just put some lyrics on it and they send it back. So like producers, it's a very, it's, a, it's like a loose term now. Like everybody's a producer. But who really produces, right? Because even in the TDE stuff where you have like Soundwave, Ali engineers it. He's not a producer. He's an engineer. Yeah. And he makes everything sound great. Ali's not playing anything. Soundwave is producing the songs with Kendrick, but they have like a whole crew. Like that's why production credits are crazy. But it's like, but people don't understand like what go, what, what it means to be like a co-producer. Like if you're making a beat and I walk in and if I'm DJ Premier and I walk in, he's like, lay some scratches on that. Guess what? I'm now a co-producer. on this. <laughs> Just that quick. If I write an article and somebody comes in and puts on a paragraph, and I still wrote most of the article, and it's co-written by somebody, That's it's a co-writer credit, yep. right? But it doesn't mean he wrote the whole thing. You got to get in the byline, though. 
Yeah, it's but you have to make sure like people are getting credit. And Drake gives people credit. I just I just hear these things like he doesn't give people credit. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Like Dre put all these people on the map. If it wasn't for Dre, what what what's the West Coast without Dre? That's what's crazy. Because again, I got accused of being an East Coast homie. But I ain't gonna trash my favorite people from the East Coast. They don't even like the best person out the West Coast. That, that, yeah. Yo. <laughs> it's like, yo, and, and here's the other thing that's crazy to me. There is no such thing as Coastal Mike. That's not true. Here's why. Social media has closed the world together, right? You would have to go to, to Baltimore to hear Baltimore slam. You would have to go to Chicago to hear Chicago house. You'd have to go to New York to get a DJ Doo-Wop mixtape. Yeah. Now you just download it. There is no, you don't have to get up and leave your house to do anything anymore. So when it comes to music, Things that are East Coast and West Coast, like, what are they? You can sound however you want from wherever you want. Right, because I've heard plenty of people say the game sounds like an East Coast rapper. Yep. But even prior to that, Farside's from L.A. The Souls of Mischief's from L.A. They didn't sound like West Coast rappers. No, but that, that was back then, but they still claimed their region. Yeah, of course. But now a lot of rappers don't even talk about where they're from anymore. They just make music. And you have to guess where they're from. Just assume I everyone's mean, from Atlanta. DJ <laughs> Premier is from Texas. Yeah, which Texas. But nowadays, there is no, like, people talk about an East Coast bias and West Coast bias. Go to New York radio. They're playing the shit that everybody else is playing. There is, you don't go to New York and be like, I only hear that record in New York. It doesn't happen anymore. Once upon a time, though, I go to New York, and that's the only place I hear a Mike Geronimo record. Well, at least we got Brooklyn and Bronx Drill now. But see, play some New York shit. But again, that's the other thing. Once upon a time, New York radio was not playing that South shit. No. Like, they were like, "Mm mm-mm. No. Today, everybody's playing everything. It doesn't yep. even matter. So, like, when people say, like, like, you have an East Coast bias, no, you just like what you like. Yeah. I like good music. And, and being East Coast bias, like, when did you move to Vegas? 2001. How old were you? Seventh, eighth grade? You spent more time where now? Here? Oh, yeah. Like, during adult life? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, if you mix all I, that in? Oh, I was yeah. born in New York, but I've lived most of my life out here. I just yeah. happened to, like, East Coast or East Coast, that, that certain area East Coast, right? But my one of my favorite albums is Doggy Style. What are we talking about? And the last thing. Oh, the Doggy Style slam. Don't ever doggy. disrespect Doggy Style and don't ever disrespect the <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan. Don't do it. Don't. If you, how can you possibly disrespect? Doggy Style. How, doggy how? Style not being Snoop's best album is mind-boggling. Yo. <laughs> because here, it could be your favorite album. Yes. I'll disagree with you. Yeah. The last meal I'm, could be I your favorite even, I might not even let that out. But if you've listened to Doggy Style and the classics that are on that album, Doggy Dog World, Bitches and Shit, just run down the list of them. What's my name? This is a huge single. You can't even compare them on a selling level. Doggy Style was here. Ain't nobody talking about The Last Meal in 2022. At all. Like, who is talking about, man, The Last Meal is an amazing album. What's more egregious than the Nas debate? there, it was written versus Illmatic debate. Yeah, and look, man, I get why people like it was written. I disagree. Yes, I get it. I'll let that one slide. Doggy style, last meal. Nah, it's like we can't, we can't do this. <laughs> you can't do this. You can't. Snoop on. Snoop you can't say agree with that. The Godfather Three is better than Godfather One. You just can't do that. You can't. You can't. You can try. You can't. So <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about that. It's just it drives me nuts because I've paid my. I've done all this shit. And, and you know what? Fuck that. 
Does it make me better than some of y'all? Yes. I worked hard for this. And nobody's ever going to tell me, I'm on the same level as you. No, you're not. At, at, you may, that doesn't make you a better, be a better person than me. But when it comes to this shit right here, this shit is mine. And I love listening to people who are, again, sometimes, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of this. In every space, the only voices can't be experts. Because I love occasionally, just at the highest platform, to get that differentiating opinion. Because there's more people in this world who are not experts. Of course. And then it lends and it gives experts yes. that, that thing like, yo, people really think this way? No, hold on. This is why, this is why you, it is wrong. And let me, and then you get people go back and listen. So I love that. I love it. I love and, it. and in all fairness, right? Again, <clears throat> if you want to talk about what you like, I don't care. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a totally fine on When it comes to greatest of all time list. Like when I go to a barbershop and I listen to people talk basketball and they talk about bird wasn't good. And I'm like, all right, you can't, we can't have a conversation. Boxing anymore. talk in a barbershop. Is it's the a most nightmare. Talk. It's, it's worse than NBA talk. Yeah, it's a nightmare because clearly like boxing is not as mainstream as the NBA. Yep. So when we have people talking about Mike Tyson's the greatest heavy, I'm like, well, who did he fight? <laughs> and then like, that's when the conversation starts. Like I could have been the greatest. Yo. Player. He had the greatest start to a heavyweight career I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, Shout out to my, my barber, Carl Littles, who now opened his own barber school, so I don't have to go to the barbershop anymore. I go to his office at the barber school and get my, my beard done. When I used to sit in his chair, and, they, and everybody would be talking about music, he would hit me. He like, he was like, you're not going to say nothing, are you? I was like, nah, man, I ain't getting it. <laughs> not a damn thing. And I was like, don't tell him what I do. <laughs> don't tell him nothing. It wasn't until they saw me on like TV for something that they were just like, oh, Andres, what do you think? I was like, don't ask me. Y'all have y'all little funny conversations. Keep me the fuck out. <laughs> Oh, you're the barbershop curmudgeon, too. And, and, and <laughs> listen, when people say, all right, look, you don't have to like Kendrick's album, right? But when people say, I can't ride to that, look, man, I don't think every album is made for you to ride to. I don't think every movie is these, like. It's the funniest thing, especially so like I can go to a club, listen to Future, it's getting ready for a club, come home from a club. I was like, how many times you go to a club? Wife was like, once or twice yeah, a it's year. Like, what are we doing? I was like, so what does it like, matter? Like, <laughs> I watch documentaries. I don't get lit to a documentary, no. but I like to learn something sometimes. When I watch a movie, I don't watch a movie because I just want to see special effects. Yes, I like Marvel movies. Yes. But I like movies with some depth to them. And I like comedy. And I like parody. Like, I, you know, there's everything for every occasion. But to be critical of something because it doesn't fit this one little box, like, I can't ride to that album. Look, man, some of the greatest rock albums and the greatest R&B albums existed, and they didn't have, like, club hits. Nirvana yeah. didn't have a club hit, sorry. Can you ride to Nirvana? But is, is, is it one of the greatest albums of all time that redefined grunge in the 90s? Yes. I mean, spells like Teen Spirit. Teen Spirit is an incredible hit. It is, but I'm just saying, like, when you listen to that entire album, you can't, can you ride to it? I mean, it'll... Depends where you ride to. It'll fuck up your mood. You like if you if you're, if you're like not of like clear head. Like if you really start listening to the lyrics and shit, you could get where you're supposed to go and be real somber. Like your friends are real hype, and you're just like, damn, I'm reevaluating my entire life choice. It's like with Fleetwood Mac, for instance. Like I love Fleetwood Mac. My wife loves Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac's incredible. Listen to a lot of Fleetwood Mac. But it's like I ain't turning up at the club to Fleetwood Mac. I ain't gonna lie to you. 
Some white people do. I mean, they, it's, it's, it's different, right? But 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 it's like it's, that shit knocks in some videos. But it's like again, like I'm always talking about Pearl Jam, Jeremy being one of my favorite yeah. songs. So I love the video, but it's like it's it's a miserable song. Yeah. And yes, I do I like things that are miserable because that's how because li- life is miserable, and I like people that can capture that feeling. But everything ain't meant for you. Music is fun. Music can be a lot of things, but you got to understand what that music is being made for. And when I hear people say that, like, I can't ride to the Kendrick album, it wasn't meant for you to ride to. And Kendrick was like, you need to be riding to my album. <laughs> then we have an argument. It's like, Kendrick, you didn't make an album that I could ride to. But if it was like, this is an album you think to or relate to or whatever that is, that's different. It's just like Drake. If you listen to Drake album and you still mad there ain't no bars in there, you're bad. Ain't his. He's doing just fine. Exactly. Uh, man, now I want to have a convo to start off. Let's hit the break. We're going to come back, preview this UFC card, UFC 276 happening this weekend, stack card top to bottom. And then we're joined by a UFC guest, which I'll let you guys know who it is right after this break, because trust, you're not going to want to miss it. All right, enough of the hip-hop talk. We are back. Time to talk UFC. Andre, I can spill the beans. Our guest in the next segment, join the corner podcast. One half of the main event at UFC 276, Jerry Kennedy. The Killer Gorilla. Killer. What the hell of a nickname. <clears throat> Man, ain't nobody giving him a chance in hell to win this fight. Not at all. But, uh, but we're on a streak here, baby. Yeah. Three wins in a row. So if he wins, just gotta keep the trick alive. It's it's on us. I'm taking credit. If I see Izzy tomorrow, I'm gonna I'll tell him too. (laughs) Uh, You weren't a guest on the show, so (laughs) picking against you. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Izzy. But we got a streak to uphold. But UFC 276, one hell of a card, top to bottom. I mean, the early prelims have Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall, Jessica I versus Basie Barber, Barber. one hell of a fight. Uh, Yeah, dude, it's a loaded card, and again. Money in the Bank is going on at the same damn time. I don't know what WWE is doing. They could have just waited until Sunday for this shit. It would have made our lives easier. Definitely would have made my life easier. <laughs> I'm going to have my phone in my hand at Money in the Bank watching the prelims. It's going to be insane. So, let's talk about just the regular prelims card. One fight I just want to talk about real quick. Ian Gary. Yeah. This is next Conor McGregor. Yes, sir. Okay. If you are, it's where you put it. Yeah. I mean... It's on ABC. You're 24 years old. Yeah, show out. Uh, yep. I think he was number two on my under 25 list at ESPN for MMA. So it, there's two people on this card. Obviously, Sean O'Malley and Ian Gary are two guys who have a ton of potential. Now, obviously, Sean's on the pay-per-view, so you got to pay to see him. Yeah. Ian, you're on network television. I don't know if I'm 24, if I handle that pressure the same way I handle it if I was 34. I think when you're like 34, you're like, ah, it's just a fight. I wonder if he's like, ah, oh, this is the biggest moment in my life. Like, better, better perform. You bet, he better perform. This, this is not where you lay an egg. Nah, you can't shit the bed here. Right? Like, this, this is the marquee, like, platform that you've been wanting. Gabe Green, three losses in career. Gabe Green, cool enough, but there's levels to this shit. Nah, and that's what you got to show it. Ian and Gary, there's no decision. No three-round decision. You got to show. Look, ain't nobody coming to see you get a decision notice. You need to go out there and get a finish. At all. 
And then main event, another fight that sticks out to me. Jim Miller, Cowboy Cerrone. Look, man, it sucks that Joe Lozon is not on the, getting this fight. Yeah. But I mean, this it's Jim Miller. This, <laughs> this is a better fight. This is like triple OG status, yeah. right? Number one and two in total octagon time. That's crazy. And these two are going to fight in... Uh, I'm not picking against Jim Miller. I'm picking him to beat Cowboy. Cowboy's on short notice, of course. Well, I mean, Cowboy's been prepared for, like, weeks. But you cut weight. I know. You get all the way to the weigh-in. Next day, like, and then to come back. And granted, I think they manipulated, like, the weight class here. So it's a little tighter. Cowboy doesn't have to cut crazy. But still, just that, like, energy dump. They spend camps to prepare their body. I know. To peak on a certain day. And then it's like, oh, you're fighting two weeks later. Not only... To just be like, yo, you're fighting. No, like, you're taking this short notice. So even if you were just chilling again, you took this short notice, which is Cowboy being Cowboy. Yeah. Now he's going to get stopped, but he's not going to retire. Mm. Because it is short notice. He wants a full camp before he gets that out of you. I just, I just wonder if Cowboy's going to try to bait Jim Miller into an early war because he's like, I don't want to go 15 minutes with this guy. Yeah, of course. And if he's Jim Miller bites, he's like, all right, let's, let's do it. You know, Cowboy's like, let's do it for danger because danger's in the front row and shit. <laughs> and Jim Miller's like, yeah, let's do it for danger. And he goes to war and leaves himself vulnerable. If Jim Miller's smart, he paces himself and wait for Cowboy to blow his load and tries to submit him. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I think he submits Cowboy, too. But uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's a cool little ABC main event for Cowboy. And again, this is more interesting than Joe Lozon. Yeah, no, it's, it's Jim Miller. And a better, more interesting fight for Jim Miller. He was supposed to fight, uh, damn, who pulled out? No, he was supposed to fight Bobby Green. Bobby Green. That's actually, I wanted to see that fight because of Bobby Green. That's cool. And I like Bobby Green. I mean, yes, but this I get is a it. better fight. This is, again, it's triple OG status. Yes. Right? Like, it's, it's you're fighting for the outcome. OG cup, right? For an A-track and, a, <laughs> and we, an ashtray. Can we get that? The OG <laughs> belt? We already got a BMF belt. Yeah, it comes with an A-track, some white wall tires. <laughs> I love it. And that. an ashtray. Kid Rock CD. Marlboro's. <laughs> just, just do it. <laughs> um, opening up the pay-per-view card. Well, first and foremost, Misha Tate, Norm Murphy. No yeah, that sucks. Car. And it sucks for Misha. Rescheduled, though, for like two weeks. June, July 16th in Long Island, right? Yeah. If you're Misha Tate, this really sucks. Because you had to cut all the way down, and now you're stuck. And you got to maintain <laughs> this way for another two weeks. That sucks. Did they say it was COVID-related, though? Yeah, it's COVID protocol related with Lauren Murphy. Um, I don't know if she tested positive or if she came down with symptoms, whatever it was. Whatever it is, it sucks more for her. Yeah. But if if you're beastious, like, I got to stick to this way for another two weeks. Because, like, imagine, like, you're trying to hit a target weight that you've never hit before. You get there. And in your mind, you're like, well, after this fight, I'm eating everything. Yeah. I got to wait another two weeks? Yeah, that's tough. Ugh. Yeah, that's not good at all. Then we have Pedro Munoz versus Sean Sugar Show, O'Malley. Boy, this is a good fight. But. Toughest of Sean's career. Sean O'Malley, yes, it's the toughest fight. Of, well, now if you look oh, back, Cheeto. Cheeto's probably the toughest fight. But again, the leg gave out. Yeah, I Sean know. doesn't count. I will I, say this. He looked good against Cheeto, but I think Cheeto might have rocked him anyway. He, it's possible. But Pedro Munoz, I think, has lost four of his last five fights. He's lost to Aljo. Like, he's lost to nothing but good fights. Yeah, Jimmy Rivera. Which is. He beat Jimmy. Excuse me. Lost to Aldo. Jimmy Rivera's in bare nothing. Huh? Yeah. Uh, beat Dominic or lost to Dominic Cruz. So if, if you're Sean O'Malley, you have to look at the situation like, all right, I know who he's lost to and I have to outperform the people that beat him already. Yeah. 
Because the better I perform, like if I knock him out in like 30 seconds, shooting up that Bantamweight ranking. Yeah. If I have a hard time with him, then they're going to say I'm not ready. He's already got the money, so I'm picking O'Malley to stop him. I just don't think he's going to stop him as quick as he wants to because Munoz is still a veteran and a crafty fighter. I think O'Malley stops him like second or third round. He's still very creative. Like, O'Malley strike, as much as a, a goof they can be sometimes, they strike, oh, strike very much on point. Um, give me a decision. That's like, fair. I, I can see that. Only three rounds, and it's going to take a little while for Pedro Munoz to even engage. I think we're going to see more showboating early on than pure action. I think Pedro's just going to be smart and not rush him, not be an idiot. And I mean, for the record, I had to double-check this to make sure I'm looking. Munoz has never been stopped. So he, all his losses were by decision. So O'Malley is definitely coming to stop. Yeah. And I think if you do that, depending on Munoz's mindset, because Munoz has to either come into this fight thinking, there, there's those veterans, like, I'm going to teach this young boy a thing or two, and they end up getting fucked up. I hope he doesn't come in with that mentality. Better take his ass down. Yeah, I hope he comes in there and is like, all right, let me test this ground. That's what I need. I got to figure out how to get this fight to the ground. There's no reason I need to strike this. Like, don't do that. <laughs> At all. That'd be the first... That'd be the easiest way to get your first stoppage loss in yeah. your career. And then Robbie Lawler, Ryan Barberini. It's a weird fight. It really is. Robbie, I believe the last time we saw Robbie, he was beating a very disinterested Dick Diaz. He yes. He didn't want to be there. Yep. So now you're fighting Bar- Brian Barberina, who's a completely different fighter, who's going to look to take you down the whole fight. Robbie Lawler's always had great takedown defense. I just don't know what's left in Robbie Lawler's tank. We learned nothing from the Nick Diaz. Nothing at all. I'm picking Robbie Lawler, Lawler to win. I just don't know how much wind is left in those sails. Other times undefeated, and Robbie got a lot of mileage on him. A whole lot of mileage. So as much as I love Robbie, one half of my favorite MMA fight ever. Probably one. One of the greatest. Yes. Him versus Roy. Which was on this week, six, six years, years ago. ago? Boy. You're nice. <laughs> and Robbie's still here, and Rory is, he's PFL never been the Rory? same. No. I mean, he's gotten close in Bellator, close in PFL, not the same. No. And Connor main evented, and Connor's one of the wildest. On Lamborghini yacht. Chad Mendez stepped in right. for Aldo, and that guy's PFL fighting. Or yeah. no, he's bare knuckle. Yeah, he's bare knuckle too. <laughs> that atmosphere, I don't know if we'll ever see something quite like even the it would have been crazier for Aldo. Like, <clears throat> you look at that, Mendez's entrance was cool. But Connor's entrance was... Connor has Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> right? Like, the UFC never does shit like that. No, on a fucking platform. Yeah, like, that, that atmosphere and the fact that we got Lawler and McDonald right before it? Robbie just blowing fucking blood out of his split lip. And I was like, let's go. Like, that fifth I, round... Good Great. luck having another fight card like that. That was insane. Top to bottom, it's still my favorite fight card. Is that 181? Because I think like two months later, there was another pay-per-view that was like, oh shit, this might be even better. It was, there was a two-month gap where we had like, I think that was 181. Because I can't remember if that's the same card where Jeremy Stevens murdered somebody with a flying knee. There was a lot of knockouts in that card. 189. 189. There we go. So 191 was pretty damn good, too. But, yeah, Jeremy Stevens versus Dennis Bermudez. Yes. The knee. Yep, the was on 189. Knee. Okay. So that was right before Robbie and Rory. 
Dude, the car was We had nuts. Gunner Nelson, first round submission. Yep. Thomas Almeida sent Brad Pickett to the fucking... To the, man, <laughs> to the <laughs> nether realm. Oh, to the upside down world. Shout out to this famous person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, Matt Brown versus Tim Means. And that was a war. Crazy. Cody Garbrandt went the distance, but beat the hell out of Henry Brionis. Yep. That's when Cody, we realized that Cody... Man, that car was loaded. <laughs> Don't get cars like that that much no, no, that that card was stupid. Yeah. And yeah, six years later, we are here. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna still pick Robbie just because he's a triple OG and Bar- Brian Barbarino. I don't think he can hurt him unless he holds him down. That's I just think it's gonna be a boring fight. He might be. And then Sean Strickland, Alex P- Piera, Pereira. You Herrera. know why? And you know why this is positioned where it's Herrera. at on the card? Oh, Alex is, is the gonna... last person to knock out Anderson Silva. Or but, uh, I mean, it's, is Israel Asani, yeah. but. Fighting Sean Strickland, who's been white hot right now. This this should have been off the pot by Alex because again, Izzy needs opponents. Yeah, well, it's whoever wins this fight is Izzy. But Alex, if Alex, he's already looked good in his UFC career. He's been a phenomenal kickboxer. Sean Strickland is no joke. And if he beats Strickland, they might throw him right into that fight. Strickland wins. I mean, this is a sleeper. Of a fight. This fight could be excellent. Or Pereira could just run him out the building. Because that's striking. Is his, Alex is striking. Ooh. Give me Alex by knockout. I'm picking Alex too. <laughs> and, and Sean Strickland is great. And he's a better mixed martial artist. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it don't matter. And I, I want to see Alex versus Izzy. The backstory. Yeah. The pageant. I need to see that story told. Like that knockout where Izzy just gets slept. Mind you. You watched the entire fight. Izzy was winning the fight. Right. Got Alex caught. caught him. And I think they ran it back after that, and Izzy ended up winning. Yeah. Nonetheless, it'll be a chess match. But that highlight is one hell of a highlight. Are you running in your promos? Like, that's that's the opponent that Anderson, I mean, Anderson, I keep saying Anderson. <laughs> Israel Adesanya <laughs> needs, on that level. He needs that opponent. So yes. I'm, yeah, I'm picking Alex by style. We have another Alex. Alex the Great. <clears throat> Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. We've seen this shit twice. Mm-hmm. I'm still not tired of it. No. Arguably, Max probably won both. Mm-hmm. I'll give it 1-1. I think Max definitely won last time. Max wins this time. Max <clears throat> is only shown since that he's only getting better. I think he is the best boxer in the UFC. Probably right. If Volk can't take this to the ground... Periodically, not the whole time. Volk has power, and he's shown that he can strike in long periods of time with Max. But Max will break his ass down if he doesn't get it to the ground at least once a round, right? Like, you need to do something to solidify winning that round. Because I don't think he can stop Max Holloway. Not many people on this earth can. He hasn't been stopped. He's been submitted by Dustin Poirier. Poirier, that's that's it. And again, I, I mean, he could probably sub. No, I don't think he can sub him. This is going 25. So it's one of those where land your takedowns, make it definitive. I'm not sure if he can. I think Max wins this and really wins it and puts the exclamation. <clears throat> Pick a Volkanovski. Here's why. Yeah, Max lost, came back, beat the bullshit out of Calvin Cater. Yes. He beat the brakes off him. Talking shit mid-fight. Teaching Calvin how to punch yeah. mid-fight. Yeah. Then he beat Yari Rodriguez. He's back in the spot. Yep. Volkanovski's had the war with Brian Ortega. 
where he was dead to rights in that guillotine. Got out of that. Still don't know how he got out. And then beat the shit out of Korean Zombie. Mm. Poor Korean Zombie. My problem with Max is he is the best boxer in MMA. But got to do something different in this fight. Because it hasn't worked for different judges. <laughs> well, it hasn't worked twice. So the first fight, Volkanovski beat Holloway with late. Yeah. He used a ton of cap. Second fight happens. Max fights taller. Volkanovski adjusts. Adjusts. Takes him down. Yep. It's the fight that way. Volkanovski has more ways to win. Yes. Max fights. He has one way to win. It's really fucking good. Mm. But it's one way. Max hasn't had a submission since Cub Swanson where he guillotined him in 2016. Yeah. You know my problem with takedowns just for the sake of takedowns. See, I and think, that's like if you take someone to the ground and do nothing, but and they were Volk, piecing your ass up before you took them down. Yeah, but Volk ain't going to do that. That is not a, a round one. That's, that's what happened in Volk Max 2, which yeah. I was like, he took him down, but Max was winning on the feet before they went down. Volk really didn't get any like, substantial offense. It, it's tough. It's tough because, look. He laid and won the round. Max Holloway's three years younger than Volkanovski, but has a lot more mileage. That's insane. Right? Yeah. Like, he's got a lot more mileage. And it, you figure, like, sooner or later, that mileage got to catch up to him. I don't know if it catches up here, but eventually it does. It's mileage. No matter how young you are, you've been in a ton of fights. Wow, just it's, turned 30. And it's not like Max has had all these fights in first-round finishes. Goes the distance. A war. All the time. Yeah. We were running a graphic on ESPN MMA in our brainstorm today. Um, Max Holloway is number one for significant strikes taken. Because he's there. Yep. The whole fight. I feel like... The Cowboy is number two. And he's like washed up Cowboy. Yeah. But I feel like Volkanovski has shown some significant improvement from those fights. I think the Ortega fight was very tough, right? And Max hasn't? Max is still Max. I don't think much has changed. He's still the same fighter, which is not a bad thing. It's just the Calvin Cater fight. People were like, well, maybe he's lost something. No, he's still Max. He'll piece you up. If you stand in front of him, he's going to beat you up. Yara Rodriguez, you going to strike with him? Probably not a good idea. I feel like Volkanovski has shown, like, the resolve. Like, the Ortega had had him finished. I don't – when you win fights like that, there's a different level of confidence. Yeah. I still think the fight's going to be super close. Yeah. If anybody was going to get a finish, it'd be Volkanovski. I wouldn't pick Max to get a finish. I think Volkanovski got knocked out in his fourth MMA fight, which was years ago. Yeah. But I think that man has figured out, like, his left hand's gotten better. His takedowns have gotten better. His ability to control space has gotten better. Max is still the very same fighter, which is still a tough nut to crack. And nobody else in the featherweight division can beat him. I'm going to pick Volkanovski by another disputed split decision. Because <laughs> I just can't see what... If Volkanovski takes him down, the judges are going to be convinced to give him the overall if they're close. I don't see Volkanovski running off with the fight. I don't see Max running off with the fight. They're both too good for this. Max got to start fast early and not get taken down in rounds one and two and put Volk behind the eight ball. It, it, and that's a tough thing to do against a guy who is a featherweight champion, never lost in the UFC, and it's a fucking former rugby player. Yeah, no. Big like, big. we're going to talk about Jared Cannonier shrinking from 300 pounds at 185. This guy shrunk down from 200 to 145 and still carries that power. I'm going to pick Volk. And, and, the, and the reason I kind of want Volk to win is I want, want him to go to lightweight. <laughs> you want him to I want him to go to lightweight because he's, he's really 
Good. I think win or lose, he should go out. Let Max yeah. figure it out. Beat everyone else. What are you going to do? Run back fights you already dominated? What happens if Max loses? He's too small for lightweight. No, he stays, collects the check, beat out people. I just, the design. Can you cut down to beat out though? Max is tall. But it was weird because he, he was too small for lightweight. Poirier beat him up. No, yeah. And, that, and that's the other thing that keeps sticking in my head is the Poirier, like he didn't whoop his ass, but he put hands on Max. Well, you just stay and wait and the vote goes up. You see. I mean, you could stay. You I, might drop one of the titles and then you're a champion. I don't know. That, you, got, you got time. You're only 30. Do you? Maybe. It's a lot of my, again, it's mileage, right? And it's, it's if, if somebody like Volkanovski beats you for a third time, even if you don't believe it, the fact remains that you're 0-3 against this guy. Well, now what am I fighting for? Yep. And if you're Volkan, it's like, the world in front of me. Volk loses, no big deal. He can stay at featherweight. He can move up to lightweight. It doesn't really matter. Max loses. This sucks. Because this is the guy that we thought at one time was the greatest featherweight of all time. Still not convinced yet. But if Volkanovski beats you three times? Then it's tough. <laughs> no, it's, it's done. Then it should have been two. And one. There's, there's no more conversations <laughs> to be had. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think Volkanovski, his ability to make adjustments happen faster now because he's been in more fights. And I think if he sees Max fighting tall, he's going to take him down. If he sees Max fighting small, he's going to calf kick him. What's Max going to do that's different? Yeah. I just don't know. I thought Max won. So fight tall, Max. Fight it's, tall. It's fair. We're going to get different judges. Yeah. And then main event, Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. Off rip, I'm torn. We have a three-fight winning streak <laughs> here at the corner. Jared Cannonier. We're going to talk to him in a second. I'd love to pick him. Is Israel Adesanya. Dude, look. Jared Cannonier is bringing nothing to the table that Izzy hasn't seen. Yeah. Jared Cannonier is a bullish power puncher who swings wide, comes straight forward. As long as Izzy doesn't try to get cute and try to pull back too much, because Cannonier's almost six feet tall. Yeah. yeah. Izzy's, what, 6'2"? Yep, 6'3". He's got the reach advantage. Like, if he controls range and, and Cannonier can't get inside, Cannonier might get stopped. Cannonier's been past three rounds once in this fight. Asanya's made a habit of going the distance. Yeah. Asanya's never been stopped before. Cannonier wins just about all of his fights by knockout. <laughs> yes. And he loses by decision. I just don't see a, a world in which Cannonier can win a decision. Stranger things have happened in the UFC as of late. We just watched Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira engage in an absolute war yep. where Prohaska submitted Glover Teixeira. I didn't see that shit coming. Dominic Reyes stopped Cannonier. Yeah, Reyes stopped Cannonier. Um, In the he, first. Yeah. That was like his only, then Jan couldn't stop him but won a decision. It, it's, it's just a different level, man. And I just don't know what Cannonier can do as the rounds progress. Because Izzy's just really good at this space shit. Really good. And it, unless you could take him down like Jan did, but he's not going to have that significant size advantage. I just don't see it. Adesanya wins, and if Alex wins, that's the fight to make. Cannonier loses and fight the loser. Sean Strickland. Sure. Run it. We're just running. We're it running the bracket. Um, the, the lights, I don't want to say lights are going to be too bright for Cannonier, but this is, it's a five-round main event. He ain't been in this situation before. Yeah. This is Adesanya's home. He fought at Marvel Stadium against Robert Whitaker, right? In front of 
a stadium full of fans. He's just fighting. It's a tough puzzle to crack. Nah, like, Even you when you have out? all the power in the world, like you just we've gotta, seen people with all the power in the world. Dog, if you're Cannoneer, you just gotta like you gotta fight like fuck it. Like yeah, that's the whole fight, just fuck it. Uh, kill or be killed. Yep. If I die, I die. I, I die think he's willing shit. to do that. He's gonna have to. That's the only chance um, he has. Give me Izzy second round. Yeah, I'm taking Adesanya. I, I say it goes three. Cannoneer's got a hard head. Yeah, he's gonna take some shots. But my heart and our streak <laughs> want Jared Cannonier sure. to win. It's just bad. It's, it's tough. It's a tough puzzle to solve. Israel Adesanya is a, a different level, and he's in his prime right now. Yeah. So it, it's going to be tough to solve that puzzle here come Saturday. But I'm interested to see what Jared says and see what his game plan is going into this and how he's feeling during fight week. So let's get him on the phone. We're going to talk to him next. You guys don't go anywhere. More Corner Podcast with Jared Kennanier, one half of the main event coming up right after this. All right, everybody, I told you we had a guest that you guys know who it was last segment, but now the time is here. One half of UFC 276 main event, Jared Cannonier joining the Corner Podcast. Jared, thank you for joining us on Fight Week. Man, let's, right off the bat, the biggest fight of your career, and you've deserved it for so long. So long. It was like, damn, when are you going to give this man a title shot? He's right here. You never complained. You never backed down. You kept taking challenges. You kept winning. How does it feel being here now? Now you're here. Now it's fight week. How are you feeling? Um, it just feels like the next step in, in on the journey, the next step in the path, you know, uh, feels natural to me, you know, uh, unrushed, not too early, not too late or anything. Um, right on time, if you will. I feel like I'm right where I need to be um, mentally, physically, spiritually, of, of course, as always. But um I'm ready to go in there and handle my business and get my belt. I got to ask you, man, because I followed your career for a long time. And obviously, you know, you came to the UFC as a heavyweight. <clears throat> we never hear about a lot of fighters dropping weight the manner that you have and get a title shot at this point in your career. But the crazy part about it is what I want to know is like the difficulty of dropping that weight from going. I think you were almost 300 pounds at one point before you started Fighting pro, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd gotten up to 300 before fighting. And then I started training and uh, getting uh, exercising. After getting settled in Alaska, I started training more regularly and uh, getting some of the weight off. Um, and while in Alaska, they also had an MMA promotion. I started fighting. And, um, you know, I was just uh, dabbling at that time. It wasn't really taking it too serious. Only thing I was really taking seriously was the training. Um, but, you know, I, I kept progressing, kept getting better, and uh, it showed in my fights. And it's got me all the way here. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a heck of a journey, if you will. Like, so the interesting thing is I was doing some numbers on you, and it was like, you had a, like a 50% knockout rate as a heavyweight in the UFC. And then when you were light heavyweight, it was like at like 20%. Now it's up to like 66% as a middleweight. When did you realize like, oh shit, if I lose weight, 
the power don't go anywhere. Like the power's still here. If I just drop down a few weight classes, I can knock these dudes out. Like every fight as a heavyweight, as a middleweight, you're just cleaning <laughs> people out. Uh, well, even though I did fight in heavyweight, you can look at those pictures and tell I'm no natural heavyweight. Right. I wasn't like Francis Ngannou in there. Uh, you know, you know, I wasn't. I was none of that. No Francis. No. Who's another big guy? They're all big. Ben Rothwell, yeah. Alistair Overman, all those big ass dudes. Brock Lesnar, I wasn't. No, that's not me. You know, I'm just like I keep. T- I tell people, you know, I'm the smallest in my family. Those are the heavyweights. You know, those dudes in my family, them heavyweights. You know, so um, I was never a natural heavyweight. I was only undisciplined. I ate a lot of food, and um, I you know I exercised, but at the time I was transitioning from uh, the military to. Uh, across the states all the way into Alaska. So I put on a lot of weight at that time. I got pregnant at that time. So that's one of the reasons why I put on a lot of weight. <laughs> but um, I was never a natural heavyweight, even as a light heavyweight. Those guys are, are six foot four, six foot three on average. You know, I'm 5'11". Um, at least that's what I tell people. You know, so, um, <laughs> so I'm almost six foot, but not quite. Um, so I was never, I don't, I don't feel like light heavyweights are heavyweights who cut weight. And again, I'm no heavyweight. So um, when did the light switch, right? Like when did it go, this is not only a career, but I could be a world champion. Yeah. Well, as soon as I started making money, more money than my my regular job, I I, I knew I was going to quit because I don't like working. I'm not wanting to work a nine to five, especially for somebody else. I can work a nine to five for myself, but not for another entity. So um, that's just nothing I wanted to do with my life, period. I'd rather train and then go fight every couple of, every, every couple of months. But um, so um, it wasn't really a light that clicked. It was a decision that I made. You know, this is what I want for myself. Um, when I got into MMA, even as an amateur, I told myself I'm going to go as far as my, as far as the ether will take me, potential, my potential. You know, and I knew I had a lot of potential. So um, I knew I could go far, and I did. I never wanted to put no limit on that. So I never said, I can be this champion or or that uh, person or whatever or anything like that. I never said anything like that to myself. So um, there was never really any lights that clicked. You know, it was the only, the only light that really clicked is when I got down to the lab. I understood that, hey, if I... If I uh, invest myself in this gym, in this program, um, I know I can be a world champion in whatever organization. I was in the UFC, so uh, it was the UFC. I know I could be a champion. Real quick, you mentioned you knew you had the potential. Were you a fighter growing up? Like, were you just randomly, like, did you, like, know, like, yo, I can knock people the hell out. Like, I know I have the potential to do this. If I just zone in, I can make this my my life. Well. I guess you can say that. Um, like, I, I, like again, I said, like I told you guys, I'm the smallest one. I'm one of the smallest in my family, you know. Uh, and we weren't, you know, uh, I wasn't raised around no punks, you know. what I'm saying we were some big dogs in, my, in the yard, you know. And uh, and I sure as hell didn't uh, come out no punk. So, um, <clears throat> um, I guess you can say my confidence stems from my upbringing, you know. Uh, but uh, shit. What was the question again? 
No, yeah, that's that's good. Like, how did you know, like, yo, uh, the potential of being this oh. type of fighter? Like, so it's pretty much you got bigger brothers, bigger cousins, everybody, you know, leaning on you a yeah. bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they, you know, a couple, couple 18 years of, of getting tested, we'll, we'll do it. It'll make a USC champion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here. 18, 19, 20. <laughs> I'm 38, man. So they still leaning on you. Don't, you go to the cookout. I mean, they, they try to big brother you. I mean, no, no, they don't lean. We don't lean on each other. We respect each other. We teach each other, and we guide each other on the path. Um, there's a better way of teaching people how to do things than beating up on them like dogs or like freaking animals. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, um, no, I mean it. It, it happened. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we t- we treat each other with respect. You know, we weren't running around throwing fists and punching each other in the face. You know, at least that's not the standard that I keep in myself. I'm yep. not going to sit here and strike my brother or strike my cousin. Um, so we didn't have no, like, fist fights or anything like that. But it was the energy. You know, the energy speaks volumes. And then when the energy when the energy doesn't really get the message through, when the physicality has to come out, that's when very dramatic, traumatic things happen. You know what I'm saying? So that's when the cops get called. Um Shit like that. I ain't talking about shooting, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. we ain't one to run and go pick up no gun and shoot nobody. You know what I'm saying? I speak with my fist. Um, that don't mean I ain't got no guns. That don't mean I ain't strapped. So don't run up on me with no crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, but I ain't quick to pick up my gun, you know? So, uh, but um, uh, continuing on, I didn't get into any, like, altercations. I had grown up or anything like that. I wasn't a bad child or anything. Like I said, we was raised, we were taught respect, you know, respect for your elders, respect for your brothers, your sisters, respect for each other. Um, and I and I hold to that to this very day. This, this is why I don't talk shit to my opponents. It's not even necessary for me to, you know what I'm saying, get in there and handle my business. Um, but, you know, not to say that I can't talk some shit. I mean, I can. Um, but <laughs> it comes to that. Yeah, if it comes to it. And if it, if you're a worthy person to be, you know, for me to sit here and jaw jack with. If you're just sitting here throwing insults, stupid-ass insults to me, I, I understand the level of intelligence I'm, I'm dealing with here, and I'm not going to engage with that type of shit. But, you know, if we're having a meaningful conversation and you, you know, do some word wizardry in there, I'm like, okay, we can play. <laughs> let, me ask, let me ask you this. There's the, there's the middleweight title, and there's the money that can come with becoming the middleweight champion of the world. Like, I know you fight to feed your family, but what does the title itself mean to you? Because obviously there's more opportunities that come with that title, but I would hope that, because you had a fight and after fight, you say, shit, I need to get back into the octagon because I need to eat. I got to pay these bills. You think that title is going to automatically start generating you the pay that you feel like you deserve? Um, They say it does. Uh... And if I if I play my cards right, it certainly can. But also look at look at other champions in the situation. Now look what's going on with Francis. You know, look at what's going on with. I know Nate wasn't a champion, but he might as well be a champion. Shit. Yeah. Um. So you know, it depends on how I play my cards, I suppose. But um, I'm not concerned to myself with what what might what what could be. If I do this, that could that happen? If I do that, could this happen? That's thinking into the future. That's, uh, that's for me, I think people who focus too much on the future, 
a little bit with a lot of anxiety. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm not, that's not me, man. I don't live with anxiety. I don't live with fear. Those are uh, things, aspects of myself that I've conquered. Um, and uh, I don't want to go back there again. <laughs> so that's why I don't get nervous for fights. I don't give a fuck if, if I, if, if it doesn't go my way off, I've, I've taken L before, you know? So, um, and, uh, I'm plainly put, man, I'm very detached from a lot of things that go on, especially in, um, especially in the, uh, main theater, if you will. So the title would be nice, but winning the fight, that feeling that you get from being victorious, you know, uh, that's going to be way better, you know, so. Man, I can't wait. Saturday night, UFC 276, Jared Cannonier is coming to shock the world. And it's only a shock to you guys because he believes. And it's, that's right. he's, he's ready, he's ready to win. Jared, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Now get some rest, get some relaxation. Don't do a million more <laughs> interviews. Make sure you enjoy <laughs> the week, enjoy the moment. Can't wait to see the yeah. fight on Saturday night. We'll be in the building. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thank you. Good combo. Thank you. Thanks, Jared. Man, Jared Cannonier, amazing, amazing interview. A uh, guy ready, hungry to challenge one of the best fighters on the planet, Israel Adesanya. Thank you for him for joining us. Thank everyone for listening today to another episode of Corner Podcast. Shout out everyone here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. Everyone in the booth, producer Cole. Baby, Brian, making us look pretty as always. We appreciate you all, old man, for being back. You guys can follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check us out on YouTube, the Corner Podcast on there. You can see our videos to hear the faces behind all of this sound. So many great episodes still to come this week. Tons of pro wrestling, boxing, everything's going on here in Vegas. You have interviews. It's going to be madness but we wouldn't have it any other way. We appreciate you all. Till next time, we're out. Peace.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.